Thanks, Dee. Good morning, church. My name, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors. Usually I'm on stage doing some music, and uh, I get to preach about once a month and just love getting to do this. It's such a joy. You'll have to bear with me a little bit this morning because my voice was completely gone, as some of you know, just a few days ago. Uh, it's come back. So praise the Lord for that, but I've been just asking him to give me my voice so I could preach this word to you. I'm so eager to share. And we just want to say we're welcome, welcome to all the visitors. It's really good to have you with us. Uh, it's, it's so sweet to get to worship with you this morning. So I just want to start out with a little story. When I was um, in college, I was just utterly broke. <laughs> Did anybody have that experience in college or was it just me? Raise your hands, anybody? Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible, and um, I, I had no idea how I was going to pay rent, how I was going to pay tuition, um, how I was going to eat, frankly, a lot of times. Um, David Smith was in the house with me, and we always ate ridiculous stuff. Like, uh, he ate a bag of uh, burnt noodles that, were, that had been burnt by my wife when she was <laughs> cooking for a group. Uh, sorry for outing you on that, but... Uh, yeah, we just did crazy stuff, and it was a stressful time, and uh, it, it, was, it was not fun. Unfortunately, I just remember David's not in here. That would have been way better if he was in here for him and I, but um, we, we did crazy stuff, and it was stressful, and I cried out to the Lord often about my situation. I, I, I didn't know how I was going to get by. Well, one, one Saturday over a Thanksgiving, the Lord showed up at my door in the form of some Christians who brought a box of food to me. And that food was not exactly what I would have picked at the grocery store. It was some canned things. I think it, it, it was a turkey maybe, and I had no idea how to prepare a turkey at that point, right? But what I knew as they handed me that and said some encouraging words is that God had showed up that day to speak to my heart and, and, and tell me that he's with me. He's got me. He's never going to leave or forsake. All these promises to come to my mind. And I walked back in the door that day with that box of food and just set it down. And I remember going to my face that day and through tears saying, God, I, I trust you. I believe that you're going to come through and help my unbelief. Has the Lord ever showed up for you like that? Has he ever met you in, in an unusual way and at, at just the right time to, to remind you of his promises? Today we're going to hear a story, we just read it, of Abraham and Sarah experiencing uh, God showing up to their door. And we're going to we're going to get to see two different responses, one from Abraham and his family and then one from Sarah. And my prayer and my hope today as we hear this story is that we would recognize in this story God's faithful pursuit of each of us. We'd recognize that he keeps on pursuing us and he keeps on coming near to remind us of his precious promises to us. And the question that we need to ask ourselves today is just how are we going to respond when he comes? So I want to just pray one more time and we'll dive into the text. So Father, come again, we pray, to the door of our hearts and speak and give us your felt presence this morning. Give us the relevant word we need to hear Give us faith, we pray, to believe all that you've promised for us. And we say this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Genesis 18, follow along with me in your Bibles, if you would. Verses one and two here. It says, the Lord appeared to him 
by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of, of his tent in the heat of the day. Verse two, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing in front of him. Now, I just want to stop there and just remind you a little bit of the context here. This is like 20 years since God first spoke to him and called him out of the land of Ur and into this land and had made those promises. So you have to imagine through all this, even though God has shown up to him a number of times and reiterated the promises, you have to imagine that he's, he's got this growing tension. We, we still don't have this, we still don't have a child. We're still living in a tent. I blew it and we had a baby with, you know, I had a baby with Hagar, but, but that's not the one through whom the promise is, is going to come. So there's, there's all this stuff stirring and guess what? God shows up at his doorstep again in that moment. He showed up. And by the way, do you know that God knows your address? <laughs> he knows where you live. You could be in a tent in the middle of the boundary waters or anywhere else, and he knows exactly where you are and can show up right there, right on time. Notice the time of the day that, that's mentioned here. Um, he, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here we go. Back, where am I? Lost my spot. Sorry about that. Okay, particular time of day. That's right. He came during the heat of the day when it's hottest and most people would be sheltering from the heat. Now, I couldn't help but think of that language in Genesis that, that God once walked and spoke with his people in Eden in the cool of the day. Now, after the fall east of Eden, they're in this barren, lifeless land. They're, they're in a desert. There's wicked cities around them we're going to learn about next week. But here we see something amazing happening where God is restoring that Eden circumstance. He shows up to them in a grove, to, to Abraham in a grove of trees to speak to him face to face. Despite the curse, despite the fall, despite the heat that our sin has brought on, it, on us, God is coming near here. What amazing grace. And I think every time we, we see these stories of God's appearance, we should be in awe because, friends, he drove us out of the garden. Our sin drove us east of Eden. We don't deserve to be in God's presence like this. But stories like this show us that God just keeps on pursuing. God keeps coming. He keeps giving grace. So here, Abraham looks up and he, he sees three men. And this is a totally unique uh, experience in scripture. This is the first time and the last time you see God show up in a trio like that. And it's, it's tremendously unique because this is... This is uh, different from all the other encounters that the Lord has had, which we've seen in the former chapters, because in this encounter, he shows up in the form of a man. Now, that's not crazy to us Christians here in the 21st century, right? But to, for God to show up in the form of a man, it was, it was crazy then. And it says that there were two others with him, which we know from chapter 18 and 
22 and 19.1, that they were angels by his side. So God shows up here in the form of the man, and ultimately what we see happening here is God is progressively revealing himself. He's coming closer and closer and closer to Abraham, indeed, to mankind. I want to just quickly rehearse the, the ways that God was coming to him in the chapters prior. <clears throat> In chapter 12, we're told that God spoke to Abraham, and we don't know exactly what that looked like. In chapter 15, we're told that the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, and he, he doesn't just hear him then, but he also sees him in this vision. And then in chapter 16, we learn of a mysterious figure, the angel of the Lord appearing to Hagar. After, after he goes away, Hagar says, I've seen the God who sees, right? And then, then we see again in chapter 17, the Lord appearing to Abraham. And we don't know how he appeared, but it's described as the Lord went up from him after he had appeared with him. And now finally, in this progression, we see God show up in the form of a man. In the form of a man. He keeps coming closer. He looks like a man. The angels by him look like a man. And we know on this side of the history as Christians that this mysterious second Yahweh figure is a precursor to the coming Christ who would be incarnate. The word would be made flesh for us. God would keep on pursuing us even to the degree that he would get into our flesh. It's amazing that we get to see this picture in the Old Testament. Ultimately, what, is, what this is showing us again is the incredible pursuit of our God. He pursues mankind. He pursues us with intimacy. He pursues us. He shows us himself over and over and over again. And in fact, in next week's text, we're gonna get to see the sort of relationship that he wanted with Abraham. It's one that was intimate. He, he's gonna ask this question Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? And he's going to open up his whole plan to Abraham and and let Abraham wrestle with him over this. So ultimately, friends, I want you to see today in this encounter with Abraham that our God just keeps coming closer. The storyline of the Bible is one of God just coming nearer and nearer to you and I. And that's good news for us, especially in our fallen state. Now look at verse 2. Abraham's response to this visitation. When we saw them, he, when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you've come to your servant. So they said, do as you've said. And Abraham went quickly to the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three says, I don't know, you said it better than me, D. I don't know, shays of fine flour, I don't know. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who, who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Occasionally, the scripture gives you these these pictures uh, of just the, the depth of devotion, the depth of, of care. And this is one of those moments where, where Abraham, he shows his hospitality is on display here. He goes to the nth degree, right? He, historical context would say like this meal is one only for the finest guests. This is the very important meal person. He puts the, the household to work here. 
He puts the household to work for this act of worship. He runs and he bows down first. He runs and calls the one Lord and himself the servant. And he's just begging them, hey, you've shown me favor this far. Please stay for me. You can see in Abraham just this ache to be nearer to the Lord, to have him, to welcome him, to refresh him under his roof. At the acceptance of this invitation, we see just, just again, this, this quickness all over. We see him rushing around and getting people involved. Notice the different members of his household that are helping him in this act of hospitality and worship. I want to just mention quickly that, that that matters to me. It's encouraging to me to see him bringing his family in, especially after what we just did today. When we're talking about our family, our entire family being raised up in the Lord, training them to know how to receive the Lord, training them to know how to welcome the stranger, the sinner, the poor. And we pastors are so eager to learn how do we involve our families well in the mission to our neighbor, to the strangers, and to the Lord. This is just a little picture we get where this family comes together to offer worship to the Lord. Now we see this this picture of Abraham after the meal is prepared and he set it before them, we see him under the tree just watching and waiting. And why is that significant? It's because, one, he's not sitting with them to eat with them, but he's standing to serve. He's standing by ready to serve the Lord. This is a continued act of worship. Further, if you look back to chapter 13, verse 18, you'd find that this is the very place that Abraham had, Abraham had set up an altar to worship the Lord. So I believe here in this moment, he's worshiping. God is receiving refreshment and rest in the presence of the worshipers. This is a powerful scene. You might skip over that, but as I was studying, I was just in, in awe of these, this moment. Now, I don't have time to, to go in depth in this as the story continues. This will be Sam's sermon next week, but if you were to go on in this story, you'd find that the Lord is gonna show up in the form of two angels in Sodom as well, and they're not gonna respond with the same sort of worship. Instead, they want to take advantage of the two angels. They do not show hospitality, but far, far worse. There's something amazing about Abraham's hospitality here. There's something amazing about his faith-filled worship act. Now, as I was reading this, I, I couldn't help but remember this charge in Hebrews chapter 13, verse two, where we get this strange word. He says to the, to the Hebrews, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I can't help but think that maybe he, he's recalling this particular passage where in fact, Abraham, Sodom, these people are experiencing God's presence and ultimately some of them don't have any idea that it's the Lord in their presence. Now I think most of us would, if we knew that God showed up our doorstep, we would put on our very best, would we not? But this story this charge illustrates for us that we will not always know or recognize when the Lord has come near to our house. 
Sometimes God comes in very unique ways to minister to us and help us. How will we respond? Just a quick word here about hospitality. Hospitality, I think, is important to the Lord because it's an expression of an open heart towards someone. It's an expression of an open heart towards someone. And this matters so much to the Lord because every single human on this planet was made in God's image. Made in God's image. So when when someone, whether a stranger or a friend or a family member comes to your house, when our hearts are closed to them, there is a very real sense in which it is a rejection of God himself when we reject others and we refuse to show hospitality and care. But when we welcome people into our home, into our hearts, I think there's a very real sense in that we are showing God honor and love and worship with our hospitality. I pray that God makes us that kind of people, all people's church, Lebanon. I pray that God makes us the sort of people that has hearts open to strangers and friends alike. And in so doing, I I ask that God would just help us to have more open hearts towards him. Ultimately, I think as we show hospitality to more and more people, as our hearts are open to people in these sort of radical ways, I believe that our hearts will be more open to the Lord to receive and to to welcome whatever he's going to do, even if it comes in strange ways. Now, to the main objective, I think of the visit to Abraham's tent, we see an announcement and a reaffirmation of Isaac's birth. So let's look there at verse nine. The trio said to Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife shall have a son. First off, the the Lord knows Sarah well, and he asks about her whereabouts because of the announcement that he's about to give. And if you look at verse 10 closely, you'll see these I will statements again. He says, I will surely return to you around this time next year, and Sarah is going to have a baby. Now, this is the, the familiar plot line. If you've been following along with us in Genesis, this is what we've heard over and over and over again. And it might just be like, okay, God, you keep saying it, but when is it going to happen? And here God is speaking this promise that in a year from now, I will surely cause her to have a child. This must have been so encouraging to Abraham But the narrative doesn't focus on Abraham here, but moves to Sarah, who is sitting behind the tent door listening. Look at verse 11 with me. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, and the way of woman had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I'm worn out, my Lord is old. Shall I have pleasure? In other words, have a kid? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now now that I am old? Will you read these words with me? Is anything too hard for the Lord? One more time. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He said, at the appointed time, I will return to you. And he says the same thing. She will have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, oh, I didn't laugh. He said, no, you did laugh. (laughs) Now, if the narrative wasn't 
already clear enough throughout Genesis that, that, that they were old. You, you see it again here. They were old. Puts it this way. The way of woman had ceased to be with Sarah. In other words, it's come and gone. This is not the woman that you're going to expect to have a baby. So naturally speaking, you would laugh too. We would laugh too. It's if somebody, if God brought that promise to us, just as Abraham did, just as Sarah does now here, because our natural sinful inclination is to only look at the circumstance in front of us, to only look at the thing in front of us and say, that's impossible. But the reason that's a sinful inclination is because it removes God's presence from the picture. It removes this fact that with God, all things are possible. It removes the idea that the one who spoke into nothing, things into existence, is able to accomplish anything that he puts his mind to. Amen? She could not help but laugh and says, I'm worn out. That's simply impossible. Now listen to the Lord's response. He had not heard Sarah aloud, but he asks Abraham, who's sitting across from him, hey, why did Sarah just laugh and say that? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will do it. I will surely do it. Not only are the specifics of this birth announcement miraculous, but, but even more that God just knows the thoughts of Sarah who's inside the tent, right? He sees us. And so often we, la- we all laughed at this, this story when she denied the laughing because we do the same thing. We get it. Like how quick our hearts are to say, no, no, I didn't. Just like pretend like our kids do sometimes that they didn't actually do the thing that we know that they did. But friends, it's so silly because God sees our hearts. He sees not just what we're doing in this life, but he sees the motives, the words, the thoughts, everything behind those actions. He sees it all. Now, I want to focus in here in this last part of this sermon just to bring some application around this powerful statement that we read together, is anything too hard for the Lord? This has been a resounding theme in our series. We've learned that God is El Shaddai. He's God Almighty. He is the one through him whom all things are possible. And we, we, Often, we learned two weeks ago from Ross that we often just go th- grow so cynical as the timing of the Lord is not our timing. As time just seems to stretch on and on and on, even though we know and have heard that God is God Almighty, we still fail to believe him. We still have cynical hearts. We can't turn to him and say, yes, I trust that you'll do that, but instead we doubt Sometimes we forget that, that God actually is leading us through some of these trials and some of these, some of these tests that, that just seem absolutely impossible. Why? To bring us into deeper intimacy with him. To build and stretch our faith as we wait on him, as we hold and cling to the promises that he's spoken to us. And yet we forget 
and the cynicism continues to grow. I sadly have so many examples I could give you today, but one that came to mind in my life recently is is this. As I've been looking at our city and I've been looking at the state of the church, my heart is just cynical often. I find myself thinking thoughts like, man, is it even worth it to preach this gospel anymore in this city? Man, the church is so slandered. God's name is so slandered in our city. What good is it when you have these obstacles in the way? I find myself looking at the addicted in our neighborhoods and I'm just like, God, it seems impossible for you to set these people free. When I look around at all the churches that have just totally aligned themselves with the world, I think to myself, God, is there any chance that these people will repent and turn back to you? I find my heart is cynical. I find myself doubting. I used to pray regularly for Somalis. Every single time I would, I would, I would see one on the streets, I'd be asking God to work and move and bring revival to them and to the Muslim nations around the world. And I find my heart is more cynical than ever right now. And I lack prayerfulness for them as my heart is cynical and I just don't believe that God's gonna do it. And I'm grieved by it. I, I hate this. But then I hear this gentle rebuke from our Lord. Is anything too hard for me, Daniel? Is anything too hard for the Lord? What's impossible for man, Jesus spoke, is possible for God, amen? What's impossible with man is possible with God. So the problem, friends, is not that God is far off, It's not that he hasn't spoken. It's not that he hasn't continually pursued us or manifested himself to us over and over and over again through scripture and friends and strangers. No, it's that our hearts are just so quick to fall into doubt and cynicism and lack of faith. So here's the question, friends, is as we wait, as we wait, wait for God to come through on the particular, in the particular ways we need him to come through, what is the solution? What is the solution to our doubt and to our cynicism? I was asking this question as, as I was preparing this. Like, what, what is it? What is the thing to do? Now, I could tell you this morning that you need to read your Bible more. I could tell you this morning that you need to pray more. I could tell you this morning to like get your mind into the right spot. I could give you all kinds of like try harder sort of statements. And, and all those things are good, right? And that's part, of the, that's part of it. But friends, that is not the solution to our cynicism. It's actually much simpler than that. And it's grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me explain what I mean. When we... When we see the impossible before us and are tempted to give into cynicism, we hear God speak this gospel word. This is from Romans. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That is the gospel of Jesus that God wants to speak over these situations, these scenarios that feel impossible to us. 
This verse teaches us, it reminds us that all the way from Abraham and all the way up to Christ, God was pursuing us, coming to our doorstep, getting into our flesh. God the Father giving the Son, the Son going willingly all the way to the cross. In our place, for our sins, the very sins that separated us from God, that's our God. And if God did not spare the Son but gave Him like that, if Jesus came in that kind of way, how much more? Any other situation in your life, any other situation that we're seeking the kingdom in, how much more anything else? Friends, the gospel is founded on this simple promise that if you put your faith in the one who's accomplished all of this, if you say, I believe it, I believe it in my heart and I confess it before all, Jesus is Lord and Savior, the gospel tells us you will be saved, you will become a child of God. You'll be rescued and we'll live with him eternally on a new heaven and a new earth. That is the gospel promise. And it's founded on this simple, simple open door. Receive it. Believe it. Say yes to it. Give your amen to it. And it's all yours. And I love how the Apostle Paul frames the gospel. This, this feels so encouraging to me. And he, he writes in his letter to the Corinthian church, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. That is, it's me explaining this, God doesn't hold anything back in Christ. If you have him, you have everything. And now listen to this. Paul continues, so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. That is a simple picture, a simple explanation of the gospel of Jesus. It is that in Christ, all things are yes. And our job as a church is amen. Amen! Man, that verse was always a little confusing to me and it just landed this week. I'm, the gospel is that simple. And it's the solution to our cynicism. It's the solution to our problems that we put our faith in Jesus. We put our faith. The gospel is that Jesus has come. He's done all of this for us. And we say amen to him. Maybe you feel this morning like all of God's promises are no in him for you. But just receive the word of the Lord this morning. If you are trusting in Jesus, his promises for you are yes. Every single one of God's promises are yes. And he welcomes you to give a big hearty amen to it. Maybe for the first time this morning. Maybe like Abraham did when he was gazing at the stars. And his heart finally believed and he said, yes, Lord, I trust you. He uttered his amen to the Lord. And the Bible says it was counted to him as righteousness. This is the faith, the faith of Abraham, the simple amen to God is the faith that the Christian faith is founded on. This is all that it hinges on. Will we simply receive him when he comes to our door and reminds us of his promises? Will we say yes? And friends, he's come to our door in Jesus.
I want to welcome you to give your faith-filled amen to him today and stop doubting him for your particular need or situation, whatever it might be. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Hear the Lord speak this over your life, over your situation. Is your sin too hard for him? Is your depression, is your loneliness, is your barrenness, is your sickness too hard for the Lord? Is your doubt too hard for the Lord? Is that sinner too hard for the Lord? Is that neighbor or the Somali neighbors, whoever it might be, is it too hard for the Lord? The answer, of course, is no. (laughs) Today's story illustrates for us this ever-pursuing love of God which chases down sinners, gets into our flesh so that we can have relationship with him intimate relationship with him. He came so that we would never again question God's motives towards us, so we'd never again question his goodness towards us, if he was gonna keep his promises towards us, if he was gonna lead us to heaven one day. God has given us promises that are not yet fulfilled, church. And the hope that we can hold on to is he came. He came for us. He died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven, he's seated there, he's interceding for us, he poured out his Holy Spirit on us today to remind our hearts right this moment that these things are true for us in him. And if all of that is true, if he did, came to restore all this and take, give us back all that our sin and the devil has stolen from us, friends, How will he not be faithful in every other situation? Amen. So let's go to prayer now in just a moment and offer our faithful amen, our faith-filled amen to our almighty, ever-pursuing God. Before we pray, friends, I just wanna let you know that we, here at All People's Church, we like to respond in a few different ways to God's word. We pray privately or, or with others. If you just wanna grab a neighbor, or someone else in this room, you can pray. We sing, sing praises, sing these gospel truths back to God with affirming that we believe these things. And we're, some, some of you like to give in person. We have some offering boxes if you wanna do that. And we also are gonna take the Lord's Supper together. So I just welcome you to this table right now as we sing these next couple songs. Come down, take the elements, return to your seats. If you're trusting Jesus, if you're walking with him actively, come to the table. If you're part of a local church, we welcome you to come to the table and enjoy this meal with us this morning. So I'm gonna welcome the the band to come and we're gonna pray together right now. Father, I just thank you. Your promises are yes in Jesus. And this morning, we give our amen to you. I ask in this room right now that you would help those who are brokenhearted, those who are weak, those who are stuck in patterns of cynicism, even those who have never surrendered to you, Jesus, into this gospel truth, that they would just utter a simple amen. What is impossible with us, Lord, is possible with you, And so we surrender to you this morning. Thank you for coming to us and speaking your promises over us in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. I'm gonna welcome you to stand.